Spirit of God is in this place today already, amen? He is working in our lives. He is present in this place, and we are here to breathe in all that he has breathed out, amen? We are here to conclude our Breathe series today. It's hard to believe we're at the end of it, but God has worked in such powerful ways through the process, and I believe he has something more he wants to do today. Um, Word is from Caleb that he is feeling better and doing well and should be back in the office tomorrow. Amen. We're glad for that. But the uh, the worship team has done an outstanding job uh, filling in for Caleb. Yeah, so grateful for them. Uh, That just speaks of their their talents and their skill and Caleb's ability to lead them so that they're ready when he's not here. And uh, what a great team God has blessed us with. You know, throughout the scripture... Uh, The word spirit and breath often have the same word usage. And so when God wants us to understand that he is spirit, he has given us breath so that we know what that's like. You and I exist because we are able to breathe. We have the breath of life within us. You and I have new life in Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath of God enters us, and it helps us see this powerful connection between spirit and breath. We breathe in so that we can have physical life, and we breathe in what God has said so we can have spiritual life, and Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this truth, and so he had this very unusual story after the resurrection. Jesus is meeting with the disciples in the gospel of John. It says that while he's with them, that Jesus stops what they're doing and he does this. He breathes on them and he says, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He put together with his spirit, his breath. He said, I want you to be filled with the same breath, life that comes from our Father Jesus pictured that for the disciples, and it's such a powerful picture to us. We are to be filled with the same breath that filled our Lord Jesus, the same spirit and essence that is in God himself. He wants us to be filled with that so that we breathe in forgiveness in Christ, so that we breathe in his presence in our life, so that we breathe in that we have been made accepted in the beloved, so that we breathe in that because of the cross, we don't ever have to face judgment for our sin again. Hello. That there is no condemnation for us in Jesus Christ. We breathe all of that in, and because his breath is within us, then we can confidently know he's present in my life. He's at work in my life. He is restoring what the enemy has stolen. He is transforming me into the image of Christ. He is leading me. He is guiding me. He is teaching me. He is comforting me. And that does something that fills me with a whole new breath, a whole new spirit in my life. I don't live in my old breath anymore. Amen? I don't live in isolation rejection, condemnation, shame, wondering if I'm accepted, wondering if I've always done the exact right thing so that he doesn't smack me down with his anger and condemnation. No, I know that I'm part of a new covenant now. I know that all my sins have been forgiven. I know that I stand right before his presence. In fact, I'm seated at his right hand and I have all spiritual blessings given to me in Jesus Christ. This is my new breath. 
Are you with me this morning? Amen. This is a new breath. And it does something. It does something to the outlook of my life. It changes me. What we are doing here today is meant to change what you do tomorrow. It's to fill us with a different perspective on all that is happening in our life. When you have the breath of God flowing in you, it does something to you. It produces hope in you. Now let me clarify. I'm not talking about wish. I wish it would happen. I hope it would happen. No, when the Bible uses the word hope, it uses it with the confidence that it's going to happen. We use it wrongly today. We say things like, well, I hope it doesn't rain on the day I want to be outside. I hope that the Cowboys will win, if anybody even cares about that anymore. That's how we use hope. I hope the line at my favorite restaurant is not too long, that kind of thing. No, the Bible uses hope in an entirely different way. It talks about the hope of our salvation, not a wish, not a, not a maybe, but it, it speaks of it as a confidence, an expectation that it's going to happen, the hope of the gospel, the hope of God working in my life. I know without any doubt that he is. He is present. I don't have to say, I hope he's with me. No, he is with you by the promise of Jesus Christ and his word. And I walk in that hope, and it changes how I see life. So God has given us uh, this interesting dynamic in our physical body, so many pictures of spiritual truths. For example, we've talked in this series about the importance of breathing deeply, physically deeply breathing, that there's health benefits to knowing how to breathe deeply. There are some side effects and some dangerous effects if you don't learn how to breathe deeply. In fact, it can affect your physical health, your emotional health, and your mental health if you do not learn how to breathe deeply. Did you know that if you breathe shallow breath all the time, you are telling your body to go into fight or flight mode. If you're just shallow breathing only from your mouth and you're rapid breathing, you, you are telling your body, you're telling the chemicals in your body, there's a problem. There's a reason to be stressed. There's a reason to be concerned. You better be ready to fight or flight. You're telling your body that. In fact, your body releases a chemical called cortisol. And cortisol has some effects when it's released in your body. It lowers your metabolism. You begin to have digestive issues because your body in fight or flight mode doesn't need digestion to happen. It needs your feet to move, right? And so you have higher blood pressure. You have a weakened immune system because your body doesn't need to be fighting off viruses when you're in fight or flight mode. And so you're much more likely under stress to become sick. You also will have a weaker reproductive system because your body shuts down energy to that area of your body when you are under stress. It's fight or flight. You begin to have even increased anxiety and depression. Your outlook on life, your thoughts, your emotions, all of that will be affected by your breathing because your body is releasing this chemical and telling every part of your body, Stress, 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 danger, danger, Will Robinson. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? 
But there's a different chemical that's released in your body when you learn to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, relax, deep breaths. There's a physical thing that happens. Endorphins are released into your body, and they have the opposite effect. In fact, they begin to take on the role of health in your life. So you begin to have increased weight loss. Hello, I need that. I'll breathe deeply for some of that. I'll begin to have better sleep. I'll breathe deeply for some of that. I begin to relieve pain in my body because breathing deeply tells the body it's okay to rest right now. And the body begins to release chemicals that even reduce pain, strengthen the immune system, and you have reduced feelings of anxiety, stress, and depression, and it begins to improve your mood and outlook. Hey, I'm just telling you what scientists have discovered, right? This is kind of a medical lesson right here, but listen, every physical truth has a spiritual reality to it. And so when you and I are taking shallow walks with God, when you and I are not breathing in all that he has for us, when you're not breathing in his presence, his power, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his truth, his righteousness, his redemption of your life, his restoration of all things, when you're not breathing that in, you're going to have all of the negative effects like cortisol has in your life. You will stay stressed. You will stay upset. You will have issues in your life because you're not breathing in deeply what God has for you. But if you breathe in deeply the truths of God, if you're breathing in what God has breathed out in his scripture, it will begin to have an impact on your life. You will have hope. You will see God active in your life today. You will know that the past is forgiven and you will know that he is in your future. And you'll walk in that. It will begin to have power in your life because you are deeply breathing in what God has breathed out. And it begins to be the rhythm that you walk in life. You seek God, you hear from God, you obey God. It's just the new process. And pretty soon it begins to show up in your life. It shows up in your perspective on life. It shows up in how you relate in life. It shows up in how you talk. You begin to speak life around you. Instead of speaking anger, resentment, condemnation, rejection, frustration, you begin to speak life. So our message today, the last in our series, Breathe, is this. The power of life and breath. The power to speak life and breath. How to be a people who breathe vision and hope. Hey, that's important today. I have a feeling pretty soon I'm going to lose this coat and maybe even the tie. Not because I'm hot, but I just feel wound up today. All right? So here's the deal. Uh, Christians, us, people who profess the name of Jesus, we ought to be the people on the planet who have the greatest amount of insight into what's going on and hope about what's going to happen next. Look, that's our calling. 
We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. We have been given the gospel message to speak it to this world today. That should be us. Now, I recognize that's difficult in this day. Because you look around at what is happening and you think, this seems anything but like a move of God right now. This seems like a move of the enemy to take over all things. Hello? It's okay to nod your head. The ACLU is not here. And if government agencies are listening in, I don't care. Amen? So you and I, we've got to find a way to stand in some hope. You and I have to find a way to stand in some places where we begin to be those who speak truth with confidence and with hope about what's happening and insight about what's going to happen next. Sadly, Christians have become the group filled with the most anger, resentment, criticism, cynicism, and words that are just absolutely destructive. And I think it's because we've become shallow breathers. We're not breathing in, in this critical moment, what God has to say to us. And it's easy when you look around and all you see is death to get caught up in the death. That's happening in our culture. And if it's happening in your own personal life, it just amplifies it. If you got stuff going on in your family and there's just this rejection of God, rejection of his word, and uh, it's hard. I recognize that. It's very difficult when it's a child who's pushing away from all that God has for them. When it's a spouse who at one time seemed to really seek the Lord and all of a sudden now their heart has turned or when it's you, when you recognize I'm in a dry spot right now, it's, it just feels barren. It feels empty right now. I feel disconnected. I feel like, like I don't even feel anymore. It's in that spot that God desires to give hope. And that's where we're headed today. This is where we're headed. There's going to be some application here that will apply for us on a national level. There'll be some application that will apply to us on a family level. But as I always encourage, listen to what God is saying to you on a very personal level today. Don't get caught up in, I hope they are listening Make sure you're listening to what God has to say. Turn your Bible today to Ezekiel 37. Old Testament prophet, a priest of God, who has become the, the place that God is speaking hope. To the, he's the person that God is using to speak life to his nation. 
Ezekiel has, has been that through these 36 chapters leading up to it. And he's part of a nation that has turned its back on God. He's part of a nation that had a history of God speaking, God blessing, God liberating, God showing his ways, him being, God being the center of their nation. And all of a sudden, they began to slowly turn and they walked away. Soon they were worshiping other idols. Soon they were consumed with other things. Soon it became a nation where they were filled with idols, immorality, and a complete selfishness. God is no longer in the picture. Can anybody relate? And so God begins to speak to Ezekiel. If you were to read from chapter 1 up to this point, which I don't encourage while we're together this morning, you would find God revealing his glory in the beginning, God showing Ezekiel where the nation had sinned, and God giving Ezekiel a picture of what it's going to be like in the future. He's going to give Ezekiel some hope. All right, here we go. Hold on to this, Taylor. I just need to feel a little bit more loose this morning. All right. Is that all right? All right. Ezekiel 37. Let's start. Verse 1. Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Mm. Now, let me get this clear. This is a vision that God is giving Ezekiel. This is not an actual account of what happened. Ezekiel is a man who seeks God. He's a man who listens to God. And God is going to show him something fresh. And that's why it says that the hand of the Lord came upon him. It was on a day and a time when he was seeking the Lord. And God brought him out. It's interesting where God brings him. He puts him in the midst of a valley, and it's full of bones. Now, that's not where you think God would send you if he wants to show you something. You're thinking, God, aren't you going to put me down in some green pastures, you know? Aren't you going to put me beside some still waters? Aren't you going to feed me like the lambs and all that? No, in this situation, God does something different first. He says, Ezekiel, I've got to show you something. I've got to show you a bigger truth but I'm going to have to put you somewhere first. I'm going to have to put you in the midst of a valley, and it's full of bones. And Ezekiel, there, you're going to have to understand that this is where the nation is and where you are. Hmm. If you want God to show you something new, you've got to admit where you sit. You got to be honest about where you are. You can't cover it. You can't deny it. You can't play it off. You can't act like it's not happening. You can't try to cover it so that God doesn't see it. He sees it. And the best thing to do is just admit where you sit. Ezekiel is sitting in a valley full of dry bones. These are not chicken bones, they're not catfish bones. 
their people bones. It's a frightening scene. It's the making of a great horror movie. Ezekiel sitting in the midst of some dry bones. Our first big point today is if you want to have some hope, you want to have some vision in your life, you want to change where you are, here's the first point that's necessary. Be intentional about seeking and responding to God. This is where it starts. You've got to be intentional. Sometimes God just shows up in people's lives and speaks to them when they weren't expecting it. But if you want him to continue to speak to you, you're going to have to be intentional. You can't just ignore God, the scripture, time with him and say, well, I don't know why he's not speaking to me. Because you're not listening to him. You're not putting yourself in a posture of a place to sit and listen. You're too busy doing your own thing. If you want to get a fresh vision for your life, you want to get some hope about your life, be intentional about seeking God and responding to God. We'll go on in verse 2. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. These bones had been there a while because they're bones. He didn't say there were torsos and legs and heads. There were no internal organs left. The birds of the air had taken them. The flies and the bugs had eaten them. The only thing left are dry bones. These bones were dead. They were disconnected from the body, and they were very, very dry. This is what our nation looks like to me today. Bones. Parts that used to be part of a body. Parts that used to be connected. Parts that used to have life in them. Parts that used to feel. It doesn't look like that anymore. Maybe you're in a family situation like that today where there's barrenness. It's dry. There's disconnect. There's death. Maybe that's where you are today. The parts of your life feel dry, disconnected, and dead. And God leads Ezekiel here. Ezekiel, I want you to see this. It says he, he calls him to pass by them all around. Ezekiel, we're going to go for a walk here through this big valley. And you're going to see bones and bones and bones. And I want you to see them. I want you to see them all. I want you to take this in. These were once people. This was once a nation. This was once something different than what it is now. And God takes Ezekiel to a dry, barren desert with bones. And you might think, well, isn't that cruel? Isn't that painful for God to take Ezekiel to a, such a place of pain? You see, here's the deal. When God gets ready to do a big work, he will show us 
how impossible that work is by human standards. He'll show you just how dead it is before he brings the life. Because if you could somehow do it on your own, fix it all, fix your family, fix you, fix the nation, if you could somehow do that on your own apart from him, I'm convinced he wouldn't let it happen. Because he wants you to see the glory. So our second point this morning is this. Don't despise the desert. It's where God breathes vision. So if God shows you desert this morning, if he shows you your marriage, your family, if he shows you the nation, if he shows you you, and you say, oh, it's just just kind of painful to look at right now. Don't despise what you see because this is where God does his greatest work. Don't despise the desert. The passage goes on in verse 3, and it says that he came to me, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, this is, this is God asking Ezekiel a pretty loaded question. Ezekiel's in a tough spot. If he says no, he's sunk. If he says yes, he's kind of sunk as well because he's assuming he knows how it's all going to happen. And so Ezekiel's a pretty wise guy. He's dealt with God for a while, and he says, Oh, Lord, you know. (laughs) Smart guy, Ezekiel. It was Ezekiel's way of saying, Lord, only you know. I don't know. I have some ideas. I can't imagine how. But in this moment, God was challenging Ezekiel with looking straight into the face of death, dryness, and desert, and dead bones and saying, Ezekiel, do you think I could do something about all this? It's God saying to you this morning in your dead, dry, barren situation, do you think I can do something about this? Do you think I can restore that marriage? Do you think I can bring that person in your family who's walked away from the Lord? Do you think I can bring them back? Do you think I can do a great work today? Do you think I can change this nation today? And every one of us in that moment are being challenged in our faith just like Ezekiel was. Ezekiel was being put on the spot here. God does that. God will challenge you in your faith where you are. He's all about doing some big things in your life. He's not looking to just show you a tiny glimpse today. He's looking to show you something massive today. You're going to have to admit where you sit to get there, and you're going to have to answer this question, God, you know, not me. Don't say no about that situation, your marriage, your family, your nation, whatever it is, your career, your job, your life, your finances, whatever it is, your own hurts and struggles you've got in your own life. Don't say no because God only knows, and he can, and he will. In fact, he's looking for those who will say, God, you can. More than that, I actually think God is looking for those who will say, God, you will. There's a difference. There's a difference between God can and God will. It's kind of like the difference between wish and hope. So this brings our next point, our next point today, and it is this. Believe that God will breathe life into what is dead. If you want to see him work, 
in that area in your life that is dead and dry, it will require you believing, not just that he can, but that he will. You see, hope is essential for us. Not wish, hope is essential. You might say, well, I thought faith was essential. It is. But let me quote a verse to you. That if you've been around Christianity for a while, you'll know this verse. But recently, this verse has taken on a whole new light for me. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The assurance of things not seen. Let me say it again. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Which one comes first, faith or hope? I realize in the sentence the word faith comes first before hope, but I'm going to tell you this. Faith is the evidence, the result of hope. And hope says, God, I know you will. Faith says, therefore, I will do what you say. If you don't have hope that God will do it, you won't have the faith to do it. Let me back it up. If you don't have the confident hope that God will, if you are thinking he might, I don't know, he could, maybe, I'm going to pray, I'm going to see, that sounds like wish. That doesn't sound like hope. Hope says, I believe God will. And in that hope, you get faith. Write that down. You're going to need to unpack that. It took me weeks to unpack that in my own head. I had to undo a lot of stuff because God is looking for those who will have that kind of hope in their life. Let me read this verse. Psalm 147.11. Write that down. Psalm 147.11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. God is drawn like a magnet to the one who says, I believe God will. God just zeroes in on that person. And there he does great work. He's looking for those who will believe with confidence that he will work. And he's doing this in Ezekiel's life. He's bringing Ezekiel to the place where he will believe. If today you're walking in being pessimistic, you're negative, you're critical, you're cynical, if you're doubting what God will do or can do, if you're stubborn and resistant to what God has told you to do, if you're filled with insecurity and fear, if you're without any spiritual hunger and drive, don't expect God to just show up and do something unbelievable in your life. Sometimes he works by just absolute grace and mercy, but he's looking for those who will believe him. He's looking for those who will be sold out in their faith and in their mind, in their heart, in their life, and those he runs to to work. And he's in the process of that with our friend Ezekiel here. He's trying to get him to a place where he will believe. Ezekiel, I know you're looking at a valley, a massive valley filled with death. It's been dead a long time. So much so that the only thing you see is bones. But Ezekiel, I 
have authority over bones. So God's working in Ezekiel. God's working in us this morning, I believe. Did I cover all my points I wanted to make there? I think so. Verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones. No, I'm sorry. Verse 4. I missed it. It's important. Verse 4. Again, he said to me. I love that. Again, God kept speaking to him because Ezekiel kept being willing to listen. Hello. God kept speaking because Ezekiel was willing to listen. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. In other words, Ezekiel, I want you to preach to bones. Huh? And say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Preach to bones? Talk to bones? I mean, I used to hear my dad when I was young saying, that person's more stubborn than a stump. That's like talking to a fence post, right? You heard someone say that before? Really, because that's, that's talking about someone who's just so resistant, so stubborn, so self-stuck on themselves, you know, they're just going to do their thing their way, talking to a fence post. And here, God says to Ezekiel, I want you to preach, prophesy to bones, dead, still, no life in them, bones. He didn't call him to go preach to what was alive. He called him to preach to what was dead. Because it's the word of God and the spirit of God that has power to resurrect what's dead. And when you speak life to it, life will come. And so God is teaching Ezekiel a powerful lesson as he's teaching us this morning as well. You're going to need to preach to the bones, Ezekiel. And here's what I want you to say. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, verse 5, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I know you think you're bones today. I know you think you're all dead today, bones. But I've come to give you a word from God. God's going to work. God's going to move. God's going to restore you. God's going to raise you up. God's going to put you together. God's going to breathe life into you. I know you're dead now, but God's going to work. And I'm here with a message from God. This is how you and I are called to live. With that kind of faith, that kind of hope. Verse 6, I will put sinews on you. That's all the connective tissue between the bones. And bring flesh upon you. That's the part that covers the bones. I'll cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you. And you shall live. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to give you what you can't give yourself. I'm going to heal what you think is impossible to be healed. I'm going to restore you to what you, something greater than you were before. And I'm going to put my breath in you, God says. You're going to live. And God tells Ezekiel to say all of this to the bones while they are dry. While they're still dead and disconnected. That takes some powerful hope. That takes some great confidence to speak to what's dead and believe that it will live. The rest of verse 6 says this, then you shall know that I am the Lord. This is why I want you to do this, Ezekiel, so that you will know and these bones will know that I'm the Lord. 
I'm the Lord over all things. I'm the Lord over your past. I'm the Lord over your circumstances. I'm the Lord over the enemy. I'm the Lord over the worst pain you've ever experienced. I'm the Lord over all your insecurities. I'm the Lord over your fears. I'm the Lord over all your impossibilities. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that I can and I will do what I choose to do. And I'm looking for you to follow me. Amen? Do you hear me this morning? God is breathing life into these bones, and he starts with Ezekiel. And he gives Ezekiel this powerful picture of what this is going to look like. Ezekiel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause these bones to have some, some flesh grow. I'm going to cause these bones to have some internal organs grow. I'm going to cause these bones to come together. I'm going to cause these bones to stand up. I'm going to cause these bones to live. He was giving Ezekiel a picture of what it was going to look like. You know what this tells me? Is if in the process of us following after what God wants for us, it's important that we have a picture of what it looks like when the breath has entered what was dead. Picture clearly what it will be like when God breathes life. Picture the nation. Let's just start there. You picture our nation all of a sudden getting a grasp of the glory of God, the the nation coming together, the nation all of a sudden feeling again because they have skin, the nation all of a sudden thinking clearly because they have a mind restored to them, the nation acting in obedience to God all of a sudden because they've been restored. Get a picture of that in your head. If you don't have a picture, you can't move forward in faith. You don't know what to pray for. You don't know what direction to go. You don't know what to do. And you'll struggle having hope. So get a picture of it. God calls us to that. He was showing Ezekiel. Get a picture of your home. Get a picture of your family. Glorifying God. Broken relationships. Healed. Reconciliation. Picture those members of your family sitting down with you. And you're praying together. And you're talking about what God has done. And you're weeping and they're weeping. Get a picture of it. Hold it. Get a picture of your marriage. Glorifying God. Get a picture of the two of you serving him together. Discussing him together. Praying together being open about what God is doing in your lives together. Get a picture of that. Picture it in your mind. Let God show it to you. Get a picture for you about you. Stop listening to the enemy who says, you'll never amount to anything. You've done messed up too much. You'll never see God work in your life. You're just a loser. You're just addicted. You're just a sinner. You're just never going to experience the greatness of God. You tell him, get out of here. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's doing a work in me, and I know what that looks like, in fact. He says he's conforming me to the image of Christ. I got a picture of it. I got a picture of me serving the Lord, a picture of me with my attitudes looking like Jesus, with my thoughts thinking like Jesus, with my heart beating like Jesus. This is the picture he has for me. Get that picture in you. That's essential. Spend some time. God, what would it look like? What would it look like 
if the parts of my life all began to come together and you began to work in them and I began to serve you and love you and passionately followed you, it starts with a picture. Ezekiel got the picture in verse 7. It says, so I prophesied. I did what you said, God. I did the very thing. I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, as I obeyed, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Can you imagine a valley filled with perhaps 100,000 bodies with their hundreds of bones each lying there in the dust. And Ezekiel is having church. He's preaching his heart out. And he's not even getting an amen from anybody. They're just all sitting in the dirt and dry and no one's smiling, no one's nothing. He's telling jokes and they're not even moving. He's praying and he's passionate and they're just stuck, dead bones. But the more he preaches, all of a sudden he looks and he sees a little movement over here in this part of the valley. He sees some movement over here in this part of the valley. And he begins to hear a rattling. That's what bones do if they all start to move. And this valley is deep in them. And they start rattling a little bit together. And they start coming together bone to bone. They all start moving to the place that they were meant to be. They start getting to the place they were called to be. This is what happens when dry bones hear the word of the Lord. When you start speaking truth, when you start speaking Jesus to them, they'll start moving. Now, what's fascinating to me about this, this part of the story right here, it didn't all happen at once. They didn't just all of a sudden go, and they were a body. No, God spells it out in this slow-mo way almost. There's movement, a little bit of movement, a whole lot of rattling, and they're all coming together. Look, when God starts a work in your life, don't despise it because it's small. Don't despise it because it just seems like just a little rattle. In fact, that's the time to celebrate. You celebrate a rattle. You don't criticize it. Don't criticize God doing even small things. Celebrate those. Celebrate when all of a sudden your husband says, Dear, you want to pray together tonight? Don't say, Well, it's about time. Look, you're going to squash that man's hopes and dreams right there. He'll never ask you again. Be sensitive. Celebrate that stuff. Men, when your boss says, "Uh, would you like to assume some more responsibilities? Don't say, are you kidding me? After all I'm doing already, you want me to do more. Look, when God starts moving, you start celebrating. And when God starts moving in your heart, And during the day, you have some sense and impulse that he wants you to open the Bible and read it. Don't say, well, I ain't got time for that. Yes, you do. There's nothing more important than that. Celebrate the small things and you'll see God move in the bigger ways. He starts small often 
and he begins to do a great work. Celebrate even the smallest movement as from the hand of God. Verse 8, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no breath in them. Ezekiel said, I, I, I did what he said, and God blessed. By the way, he always blesses when we obey. And, and this is what's happening here. These bones start coming together, and Ezekiel notices something. There's a problem. There's no breath, which means there's no life, which means they had the look of a person, but they were missing the most important part, the breath of a person. God is interested in not just us doing spiritual things. He's interested in us being spiritual people. He wants to breathe his breath into us. He's not... He's not looking for you to just start doing churchy Christian things. He's looking for you to have a heart that will breathe in what he has for you. And you'll see your life change when that happens. Verse 9. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. I got more, more preaching to do, God? Yeah. Prophesy, son of man, and I want you to say this to the breath. You're going to have to call for the breath. You're going to have to call for the spirit to come and fill. In fact, here's what he says to him in verse 9, the second part. He says, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. You see, that's when there's real life. There's real life in your marriage when the spirit of God fills it. There's real life in your personal faith when the Spirit of God fills it. There's real life in your family when the Spirit of God fills it. There's no, real, there's no real life in our nation until the Spirit of God fills it. And this is what he wants to do. And this tells me we can't give up in the process of praying. You keep praying. And Ezekiel was being told, Ezekiel, I know you've seen me do something already. I know you've seen bones come together that you thought couldn't come together. I know it looks like the work has begun, and it has, but Ezekiel, you can't stop here. You're going to have to keep praying, and you're going to have to keep preaching. You're going to have to keep speaking because it's not over yet. You're going to have to breathe in life for them so they can see what life is. Our next point today, breathe in and speak out power, life and hope as you wait, because there'll be a gap sometimes. There's a gap between you praying and the reality of that prayer coming to pass. You're praying for God to provide, and it hadn't yet happened. You're praying for the nation, and it hadn't yet happened. In fact, it looks like it's getting worse. Amen? Sometimes God will do that. You're praying for God to show you something in your own life, and it hadn't yet happened. And God says, I want you to keep praying And I want you to speak life in the process. Speak spirit. Speak power. Speak life. Dry bones, you've come together, but there's one more thing that needs to happen. You need the life of God within you. And you're going to have to keep speaking this, Ezekiel. Keep speaking it. Don't give up. Don't get critical. Don't get cynical in the process. You keep speaking life and you keep speaking power. So you say to your marriage, marriage, 
God is not through working in you. God is at work. And what he has begun, he will complete. He has not left. He has not forsaken. He is at work. I may not see it, but even when I don't see it, he's working. So God, I'm believing in marriage. You listen. The Lord is at work in you. It's okay to say those things to your marriage. And it's okay to say to your spouse, husband, wife, dear, babe, sugar, honey, whatever you call them. God is at work in you. And I'm praying for you. God's going to use you in powerful ways. God's going to use you in our marriage. God's going to use you in our family. God's going to use you in our church. God's going to use you at work. God's going to use you in our nation. I believe he has a purpose and plan for your life bigger than what you know. And no weapon formed against you is going to stand. Hey, what spouse doesn't want to have the other spouse say that stuff to them? That's what we do. We speak life because we have hope. We speak power because we believe. And so we say to each other as the church, we say, vertical, God is not through with you yet. Vertical, God began a work in you six years ago. He actually did a lot longer than that ago, in fact, before the foundation of the world. But vertical, remember, what he started, he will complete. And vertical, you are the church of the living God. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. You've been called the pillar in the ground of truth. Don't think it is insignificant that you are on the corner of Main Street and Ovilla Road. In fact, I've placed you here that you might be a beacon to the nations, that you might be a viral voice about the power of God to change lives. Amen? That's what I remind myself, and that's what we ought to be reminding ourselves of one another. And we start speaking that to our nation as well. Look here, nation. You were started under biblical principles. You were started under a move of God. Godly men and women came here to begin this work. And what he began, he will complete. We will not get discouraged in the process. We will not give up. We will not become cynical. We will not become obsessive about being negative. We will not be a voice that doesn't know truth. We will speak truth. We will speak hope. And we will speak life because this is who we are. We're the church of the living God. Amen? This is what we're called to do. Amen. And we say to ourselves, self, it's okay to do that. David, in the Psalms, spoke within his heart. Paul reminded himself that he was dead to sin and alive to God. This is what you and I do. This is meditation. This is declaring truth to ourselves. And you say to yourself, I know you're feeling like you're in a desert right now. I know it feels dry right now. I know you feel disconnected right now. I know you're battling with despair right now. But God is going to raise you up. God is going to breathe life into you. God is going to put you together. He will do it with his breath. He'll flood you with his peace. He'll remind you that your sins have been removed from you. He'll remind you that he is not out to destroy you. He's reminding you that you have been destined to be a blessing to others. He will strengthen you, so stand in your faith. He will use you in ways greater than you know. Self, remember this. 
Amen? This is what you and I must do. We're filled with that kind of hope. So Ezekiel did all of this. And therefore, verse 10, it says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now, I don't know if Ezekiel knew ahead of time what these bones were all from. I don't know if he thought, who are these people? I don't know if he recognized them and said, hey, there's Aunt Ruth. I don't get that feeling. I don't know if he had some prophetic understanding of what these bones were, where they came from, what they died from, what happened to them. All I know is that he's preaching to bones one moment. He's calling for the Spirit of God in the next moment. And they stand up and they become an army. They all of a sudden are recognized by Ezekiel as soldiers. They are equipped. They've got all the resources they need. They are in order. They are in ranks. They have their weapons. And Ezekiel knows this is an army. You see, what God wants to do in your life is bigger than what you think it is right now. You think it's just dry, disconnected bones. But don't be surprised at what he raises up out of the desert. He'll bring something greater than you thought, bigger than you thought, different than you thought. Which brings us to our really last point today. You have to be ready to follow when God does more than you had imagined. Mm. God raised up an army, exceedingly great army. Ephesians 3 says, Our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And he's looking for those who will have that kind of hope. He's looking this morning, I believe, right here. Who will believe that I will do that? That I will do that in this nation? That I will do that in the church in our nation? That I will do that in this church? That I will do that in your family? That I will do that in your marriage? And that I will do that in you? This is who God is looking for. Who will believe with that kind of hope? And who will be willing to take the next step into that? Actually, what this story's been about. Ezekiel, take the next step. Come with me. I want you to see some bones. Ezekiel, I want you to talk to these bones. Ezekiel, I want you to call for the Spirit of God to come. And every time he did what God asked him, God responded with blessing. Will we be a people who will breathe in what God has called us to with so much confident hope that we're just waiting to see it happen and that we'll take the next step of obedience? Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know what God's calling you to next. You do. He's telling you. He's calling you. He's asking you to take a step now to believe him and to obey him.
whatever that step is. This is the day to obey. Father, I thank you for speaking hope to us today. At a time when there is so much dryness, so much barren, so much disconnected and so much death. I pray that we would be a people today, though, Father, who hear your promise above the pain, who hear your direct command above the dryness of the desert, and who hear what you've called us to over what we think our life will be. And may we be those who walk in certain obedience to it. May our lives today be filled with that kind of hope and action because we've breathed in your truth and your hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.